Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Veterans ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to CBS Eye on Veterans. I'm Navy veteran and journalist for ConnectingVets.com, Phil Briggs. And our next guest is my fellow Navy veteran, Thibaut DeLue, a former surface warfare officer in the U.S. Navy. He was the comms officer aboard the destroyer USS Kearney in Rota, Spain, and the gator aboard the USS Coronado. Now, as a contributor for Task and Purpose, he recently wrote an opinion article. The U.S. military needs to burn down its zero-tolerance weed policy and where he voiced some fierce opinions about military justice, marijuana, and alcohol. And by the headline alone, it's easy to see where he's coming from. But what I found surprising were his real-life experiences that affected the military and that resonate today deeply within the veteran community. So let's welcome my shipmate, fellow Navy sailor, Thibaut DeLue. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. And it's crazy we're having this conversation today because, as you noted at the start of your article, um, like 34 states or something like that have legal medical cannabis and a dozen or so have legalized recreational use. And how Congress still can't get it right. Uh, the House recently approved a bill to decriminalize marijuana, take it off the Schedule 1. And, of course, they submitted it the week they're talking about COVID relief bills, giving the Senate an easy excuse to go, oh, that bill's not important. We want to talk about adult things here, not marijuana, even though the damn bill would bring in money rather than spending the money I give the government in my taxes. But that's a conversation for another day. Tebow, break it down for me today about how marijuana is viewed inside the military. Yeah, so in the military, um, a little background, military, we have the Uniform Code of Military Justice, right, which is it's the military's own um, code of laws. Um, And in the Navy, for example, I was in the Navy. A, a captain or a commanding officer of a unit has a lot of power when it comes to interpreting the UCMJ and imposing punishment on sailors who um, break those articles, break those laws. For drug use, it's covered under a single article. Uh, and the way it's worded is anyone who wrongfully uses, possesses, manufactures, or distributes any kind of federally illegal drug, right? So that includes anything from marijuana to kind of heavier drugs like even cocaine 
heroin and meth, um, they are subject to that one law. So one thing that's interesting about the way the UCMJ is written is it does not distinguish one between different types of drugs um, and two between the kind of involvement with, with the drug. So whether somebody is just purely using it, right? So like, let's say they smoke one joint of, of marijuana or they are like manufacturing meth, that's under the same law. Uh, for some background on UCMJ, I went to Captain's Mass for losing a camera one time because I was covering an article on surfing. I almost drowned. I had to let go of the camera underwater, and the command wanted to like make me pay for the camera out of my paycheck until my LT stood up at Captain's Mast and asked them, uh, "Sir, do you make the pilots pay for the planes if they crash them?" And of course, you know the CEO didn't get out of here, Walt. Jesus, case dismissed. <laughs> So universe like the UCMJ isn't always the most fair system because it's up to oh, the yeah. old man to decide how these laws get interpreted. But as you'd said, that law on the books, kind of archaic. Yeah. Um, one thing I loved is, uh, is, is I'll read a quote from your article here. Uh, Should using marijuana be considered a crime tantamount to distributing cocaine or manufacturing meth? Uh, it's illogical to consider that all drugs on the federal controlled substance list are equally harmful and should be treated under a single law. Uh, an 18 year old who smokes a joint uh, because of a lapse in judgment is no Walter White after all. <laughs> and I thought that quote nails it. Similarly, share with me your thought about lumping together the drugs all into one rule. And this is where I found you make a really interesting case. Yeah, so I think the thing that I've always found puzzling about this this law um, is that it does not include alcohol, right? And alcohol is a drug. And I think that our culture, one, does not either, a lot of people don't think about that or they may not like to admit it. Um, but alcohol, by all definitions, is a drug, right? It affects your mind and affects your body in the same way that marijuana affects you. Um, but in, under that article, alcohol is not included, right? There are different laws governing alcohol. Um, so it's a little arbitrary to say that we're going to say alcohol is um, governed under this set of laws, but then marijuana, and we're going to lump marijuana with things like heroin. And that's going to be governed under this one other law, right? And where I'm coming from here is that alcohol is, in my opinion, um, and I think not just my opinion, I think objectively, is a lot more destructive in the military than marijuana. Um, There's a lot of studies that show that service members um, use alcohol frequently. um, And it's something we can get into, but I've I've had personal experiences with um, seeing how alcohol can really destroy people's careers. Yeah, man, let's talk about the dangers of alcohol versus marijuana. Uh, In the article you wrote, during my five years in the Navy, I I repeatedly witnessed how alcohol can destroy sailors' careers and families and impact the unit's morale. Um, You cite the example of American service members in Japan, which have long since had a reputation for drunken escapades and deadly (laughs) consequences uh, aboard Navy warships. I remember this being on a carrier. You know, when you go to port, well, those are seen as grand opportunities to go drink and hit the beach and have some fun. Well, of course yeah. they are because the crew's mostly in their twenties. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me about some things that you've seen personally that you shared in this article. Yeah, I think I, I just want to start by saying, I think um, I, I, what I'm not saying here, I'm not saying that the military accepts alcohol use, right? Like obviously there are, there are punishments for alcohol use. Um, if it's done like on the ship or if you do something stupid, if you're drunk, 
Um, but like you say, because there's a lot of very young people in the military, even though officially, yes, you know, yeah, don't drink on the ship. There's this kind of like almost playfulness about, yeah, we accept the fact that when we're off duty, uh, if we're on deployment and you have like a port call and you get off a ship, yeah, people are going to drink and people are going to have fun. Um, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. And sometimes like, yeah, obviously like, yeah, people want to drink sometimes, you know, most of the time it's harmless. Um, yeah, I've seen people like stumble off the bus coming back to the ship. And yeah, we laugh about it. Like, you know, seaman so-and-so or petty officer so-and-so was, you know, stumbling back into the ship last night. Yeah, it's funny. But and then other times it's not so funny. Right. Um, I've also seen um, examples of people just doing very dangerous, very stupid things, um, especially off duty. I saw I had a, a, a chief, somebody with senior enlisted, you know, about 15 years of service to his name. Um, he was off duty and he had consumed too much alcohol and he pulled a gun on someone. Um, and this was in California. And, uh, and that destroyed his entire career because he got charged with assault. Right. Um, and there are countless examples like that. I mean, I mentioned the Japan thing, uh, cause I think, you know, it's, it's been pretty bad over there. What's happened with, there's been civilian deaths. Um, there's been sexual assaults committed by American service members. And, you know, of course, 99% of the time, alcohol is involved. Mm, so true. All right, let's talk about the effect this policy is having on our service members and vets. And this is where I also thought that like, you really, really made some, some fierce points in this article. Yeah, so I think my, my argument here, and this is where people who have responded to it have kind of misunderstood it, right? I'm not saying that we should legalize marijuana in the military and just let people go crazy, right? And just like, yeah, everybody smoked. That's not all what I'm saying. Um, yes, of course, the use of drugs or alcohol should be prohibited, prohibited on in, inside military units. There's no question about that. Um, but this is not just about what people do on the ship. It involves what people do um, off the ship, right, at home when they're off duty. Uh, and the, I think the real impact of this on service members is, let's say a very young person, a 19-year-old, right, who just joined the military, um, if they smoke a joint, uh, let's say they're at a party on a weekend, and uh, yeah, they smoke a joint, they're at somebody's house. If they come in on Monday and there happens to be a random drug test and they pop positive, that's an immediate discharge in the military. No questions. Um, there's no excuses. It is a zero tolerance. You are out. And you you can't, I've, I've seen it personally happen more than once with um, marijuana and other drugs. Um, doesn't matter what excuse you have, like, oh, somebody put it in my drink. Um, you will be discharged. You will be separated from the military. Mm. And yet that same enlisted sailor, that same, you know, grunt in the Marine Corps or Army, Air Force, Coast Guard. I mean, you know, that same service member could get lit like a Christmas tree that Saturday night on tequila. He yep. comes in Monday morning, ain't nothing wrong. And exactly. I mean, you never the, know. the risks that guy took or that gal took getting that drunk far greater than maybe the risk they took sitting there and, you know, having a little bit of, bit of the Bob Marley. Let's also talk a little bit about why some service members are using. Um, and this is where I think it reaches really deeply into the veteran community. But yeah. uh, I'd like to sort of touch on why I think service members with multiple combat deployments might be using marijuana because of the issues that present themselves, uh, you know, both mental and physical, but kind of riff with me on that a little bit. 
Yeah, I think one of the things I mentioned in the article is um, one of the reasons why I address this issue is one is the, the attitude towards marijuana has changed in the country, right? Um, like you said, there's 30 plus states have legalized it. Um, there's, I, off the top of my head, there's only five or six states where it's still totally illegal. Um, in most states, it's either recreationally legal or um, legal for medical use. Um, but I think we just need to, to kind of own up to the fact that our attitude towards marijuana, what it was maybe when we started like the war on drugs, right? In like the late seventies, um, it's a little bit misguided, right? Like smoking marijuana is not like doing heroin, right? It's just, it's not the same drug in the same way that drinking alcohol is not the same thing as doing heroin, right? Drugs affect us in different ways. Um, and I think what we need, I think what we're starting to get in our society and what has not yet really entered the military is just like a little more nuanced, a little more realistic understanding of, you know, why people use drugs. And a lot of people use marijuana for medical reasons. Uh, I mean, you're allowed to use, you're allowed to have prescription medication in the military. Um, now, again, right, my my argument here is not to say that we should necessarily um allow medical marijuana military but it's just to approach the way we write the law and the way we react to it in just like a more nuanced way based on like what we know in our society and what we know medically about marijuana use Mm -hmm. and this is where i'll extrapolate one further from your article and if you'll allow me to editorialize here (laughs) but uh you know i think it's damn ridiculous that again we are going to criminalize and demonize marijuana when in fact it's not even being used for a drug or for recreational enjoyment purposes sometimes as i alluded to earlier some of these service members with multiple combat deployments are using it for stress anxiety ptsd chronic pain inflammation um oh yeah i challenge any one two or three star up there interpreting ucmj at the dod level thinking they're doing the right thing you know when's the last time they were outside the wire when's the last time they had to you know walk a patrol outside you know the fob and fall through a ceiling fall off a ladder i mean I've heard from Iraq veterans that things are either falling on you or falling or you're falling off them or you're getting shot at. Mm-hmm. And that has a cumulative effect on things like knees, spine, um, cervical spine. Inflammation is what the CBD aspect of marijuana treats. And yet they'd rather pass out pills for our veteran community or for the service member. I mean, what do you want? You want your E6s that have done multiple combat deployments with a pocket full of opiates telling them that yo just take some more meds and you'll sleep take this one to be awake take this one when you Mm. could treat it with medical marijuana and i challenge those high-ranking officials making these laws to tell me why the pills are a better alternative they can't and ignoring this issue is just flat out i think dangerous and you know really is a failure of leadership yeah, and I think even, I mean, even you make a great point with the the medical aspect of it. But even if we say, even if somebody is using marijuana for recreational purposes, right, um, at home, right, when they're not on duty, um, I challenge anyone to, to give me an example of somebody who's committed a serious crime or or hurt somebody specifically because they smoke marijuana. That's pretty rare, right? Um, but it doesn't really happen. 
But with alcohol, that's different. Alcohol is oftentimes the primary cause of people committing crimes or doing very dangerous things. Um, and, and the way I see it is like, it, as you know, a former military officer, is like, would I rather have my sailors um, getting hammered at night and going out and, and driving their cars uh, and being belligerent? Or would I rather have them smoke a joint at home? Like, which one is worse, right? I'm not saying necessarily one is like, we should encourage them, but let's be realistic. Like to say that alcohol use is permissible, but that smoking weed at home is you're getting kicked out of the military. It just makes no sense. It makes no sense. Did you ever see a military sexual trauma case go to mast? And did you ever see one that was void of alcohol? Did you ever see an MST that had no, no alcohol involved in the story? Never. It's almost always alcohol it's it's crazy what a a running theme it is um in the military the the use of alcohol the abuse of it especially off duty and just to be clear if you're not following what you know military sexual trauma is i mean it's one of the ugliest words we could say rape and the fact you've never seen a case that didn't involve alcohol how many cases did you see that you think the primary cause of it was marijuana i've never seen one um, I'm speaking from my experience here. Um, sure. I was on two ships. I was, I was a legal officer on my second ship. So I, I handled all those kinds of cases. Um, but from my experience, I, the only drug cases were purely for the use of it. There was never any other action tied to, um, tied to the drug, right? It was purely just you pop positive on a test. But with alcohol, no, with alcohol, it was you did something dangerous or criminal in part, at least in part, because you drink alcohol. Mm. Let's also look at like the effect to kind of beyond the military then. Um, you know, let's say a guy's bounced with an OTH, um, you know, heads back to some small town America. Uh, you're a former legal officer. He is then outside the family. He can't get the mental health benefits anymore from VA. He can't get the physical benefits for those chronic injuries. Maybe he's uh, sustained over multiple combat deployments, right? Exactly. Yeah. It goes, it goes in the record when you get what's called an administrative um, separation, right? They call it ADCEP in the Navy. Um, yeah. That goes on your record and that's what the VA will see. They'll see like, well, you were separated from the service. So there's this big chart that tells you like, if you were separated for this reason, these are the benefits you get. And the more kind of serious your crime was, um, the less benefits you get. Sometimes it's on a case, case by case basis, but you know, most of the time there are certain things you're not going to be eligible for, including, you know, the biggest one, like the GI bill, right. Which is a lot, you know, something that service members depend on big reason why they join the military, right. For those, those benefits. Am I wrong to say that like that can start a domino effect of negative things in your life, which Sadly, we've seen result in veteran suicides. I mean, lack of benefits, lack of schooling, lack of maybe great job opportunities in your area. Uh, your three strikes outside the core family and the nexus of support. Is it wrong to assume that this is just going to maybe make that veteran's life now so difficult that we do see? negative consequences, whether it's suicide or whether it's just an unfulfilled existence, you know, an inability to thrive because of the strikes against them? Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. I'm, you know, by no means am I a, a, an expert on, on mental health, but like you say, I think it's, it's 
logical to see how when you when young people leave the military, they need a support system when they leave, right? Because these are young people who a lot of times join straight out of high school. And one of the usually the a big reason people join the military is because, well, they don't have another option. Maybe they just can't afford college, right? So they join the military. Um, and so this idea that we're going to just um, let people leave or either um, expel them from the military with zero support for something like you pop positive on a drug test, you're right. That's completely unfair. And it's not hard to see how that could send someone into a, you know, down a pretty bad road. Mm-hmm. Final thoughts there, Lieutenant, preach for me. How does the article end? <laughs> give me, give me yeah. sort of your summation here. I, I've got actually some, some negative reactions to my article of people saying, well, you just want to let, you know, you don't want to let people smoke weed and, and, you know, on board ships, right? Again, that is not what I'm saying. Um, my point is that we should rethink how we react to drug use in the military, especially marijuana use. Uh, I'm not talking about people who like manufacture meth here. Um, but one thing that we, that the military could start with is let's adopt the same policy for alcohol related incidents, um, or let's adopt the same policy for marijuana that we use for alcohol related incidents, which for those kinds of incidents, you get two strikes, right? So if you get into an incident, uh, let's say you get pulled over or you assault someone and there was alcohol involved, you will go to mass, um, but you get one strike and you get to see, you will go see counselors, right? So you will get counseling. Um, there are people on ships. There are um, kind of alcohol uh, advocates who will work with you to help you. And that's the same mentality we should have with marijuana use, right? Instead of just saying you're going to get kicked out. No, if we think that using marijuana, if we deem it to be a bad thing in the military, there's nothing wrong with that. But our answer to that should be, okay, well, in that case, let's counsel this sailor. You know, maybe he's 19 years old. So let's help him, right? Or her, instead of just kicking them out. Um, and let's have somebody on board ships who is an advocate for them and who helps them and who helps to like rehabilitate them um, into the military as opposed to just kind of like wiping our hands clean of them. I think that's I think that's unfair. And I think given what we know about marijuana and where it's headed today in this country, it just I, it just makes no sense to me. Mm-hmm. Well, I appreciate as always all your time. Thibaut Delu, you are a former surface warfare officer in the world's greatest Navy, and uh, your article at taskandpurpose.com is entitled The US Military Needs to Burn Down Its Zero Tolerance Weed Policy. Uh, thank you so much, sir, for putting the pen to paper and writing this one, man. Phil, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. All right, so that does it for this week's show. Thank you for listening. Now, we'd love to hear from you, so follow us on Twitter at IonVeterans, or you can reach me at PhilBriggsVet. I'm always down to get your hot takes and spicy memes, and I'd love to talk to you every week, so please like and subscribe. Hell, even give us a review of the show, because the comments and reviews really help us tailor the show to you. Again, I'm Phil Briggs, Navy veteran and reporter with ConnectingVets.com in Washington, D.C. And I look forward to talking to you again on another episode of CBS Audio's Eye on Veterans.
Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Veterans ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Who would want to kill their mother and their little sister? Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, early and ad-free on Wondery Plus, starting May 1st.